This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Hello Mary Goulet. They're oh, very right. handsome and debonair, Richie Ote. Ooh, Thank you, Ooh, you got handsome. handsome and debonair handsome this time. and debonair. Whiteway's got under control in the studio, and Kelly's got under control back at headquarters, and here on Reinvention Radio, we do sit down with awesome folk from all over the globe who are reinventing their lives or businesses and things in very unique Fun and special ways, and um, and just super excited to jump in here uh, very soon with uh, with today's guest. And, and by the way, uh, I haven't actually done the um, I haven't looked recently, but I swear, I swear we're over a thousand episodes now. I, you I have should to, number them. I know. I don't know why we don't. Why we don't? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look at. See if we can dig up those archives and, and see We've exactly. We've been sitting here with you for a thousand for that, for a thousand episodes. episodes. <laughs> I know it's funny, and uh, and and so what's awesome is there's so many shows for you to listen to, and and different ways for you to reinvent your life and your business as we bring, as literally scour the planet to find the, the most amazing guests, and so. Uh, almost no matter what the subject matter is, I think we've covered over over the years from reinventing fear to reinventing sex to reinventing lead generation to, I mean, you name it, uh, I think we've covered it. So make sure you do take a look uh, at the archives because uh, it's just so many awesome folks that we've had on over the years. And, uh, and recently uh, we picked up, uh, well, every day we pick up new listeners, which is awesome, and thank you for that, and new folks who rate and review and um, and subscribe to the show. And so we always want to take a, a moment here and recognize those uh, who have taken a moment to uh, to rate and review and subscribe. So I'm just going to pick a few folks here uh, more recently. Uh, just a couple days ago, E.C. Hughes said uh, with a five-star rating, thank you for that reinvention inspiration. This show is a blast. Three great hosts, amazing guests, and a great topic. I love the variety of guests. Each time I listen, I get a lot of inspiration. This is a must listen. Thank you for that. Uh, Lisa says with a um, a five-star review, entertaining, inspiring, and motivating. I love the Reinvention Radio podcast. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but anyway, just check out the reviews. We've we've just been really lucky to to have such an awesome audience of of folks who want to share their thoughts uh, on the show, and I think we've got over 300 reviews or whatever it might be now uh, on iTunes alone. So check some of those out, and nice. uh, we randomly select folks to, to read and acknowledge here uh, on the air. So take a moment to rate and review and subscribe, uh, and maybe we will pick you to be featured here Send some on good the air. nice. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mary Kelly says, uh, Mary, here, over 700 episodes. So there we go. Nice. So over 700 reinvention radio episodes so far, and uh, and we've got so many more to come. And I will tell you that uh, part of what I I know I love so much about this show is that we're able to find people that you you haven't heard from a million times, and mm-hmm. we have so many people who bring such unique stories, unique perspectives. Uh, to the table here, and, uh, and it's just—it's really cool to just to kind of see how 
even though we're all really different uh, on the surface, at our, at our core, we're all really quite the same. And, and you see that, and it ties in through so much of, uh, of what we hear on the show and, and just how we all have trials, we all have tribulations, we all have struggles, we all have victories, we all uh, are, are just so darn similar. Well, you know what also I've recognized is that it, it normalizes failure. Mm-hmm. Failure is not a bad thing. I've learned so much from, you know, various missteps, failures, misjudgments, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the people that come on the show are so transparent for sure about it yep. that it gives other people kind of like, okay, so I'm not a total loser. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human being yes. just like just like everybody else, right? And, and I think that is uh, a big part of what I enjoy so much about the show and why we continue to do it week after week is I, I never get tired of the stories. I know. I never get tired of hearing how people have reinvented their lives and, and, and what they're doing now and, and the difference that they're making. So really glad you guys are here. Really glad you're hanging out with us on Reinvention Radio and really glad Kathy Stevens is hanging out with us here on Reinvention Radio today. Kathy, I can hey see you there, and there you are. How you doing? Good to Good. out with you today. I was, I was just at the barn kissing a pig in your honor, Steve. That is so <laughs> sweet. So now you you actually have to tell the rest of the story. So you you um, and I, Matt, we, we have a, a two-day intensive where we help people go from zero to launch with a brand spanking new podcast and take care of everything from production and we do pre-event training and post-event training. We give you the equipment, the whole nine. So you actually joined us at one of our launch your podcast two day intensives. Uh, and that's where we had an opportunity to meet you. Uh, and, and so we got to put a little context around that. So share the story of the pig. So the context is, um, that at Catskill animal sanctuary, we had a beloved, we've had a couple hundred pigs over the last 18 years. Um, And we know and love these animals as most people only have the opportunity to love and know their dogs and cats. So in the middle of the training, uh, we had an an especially beloved 15-year-old pig named Roscoe. And I'm going to cry just remembering it. Mm. And I got an email that he had just been euthanized. Mm. And I kind of burst into tears or something. I don't even remember, honestly. But um, you were a little bit uncomfortable and made a joke, and it was very hurtful. And I think you said something about... I know. You said said something about bacon or something, like something that was not funny. And you're laughing again. (laughs) You're laughing again. You're not supposed to laugh now when I tell the story. So, but... Afterwards, you came up and apologized, and we had a very sweet, we did. very authentic moment. We yeah. did. So that's, that's the context. Okay, thank you for that. And, um, <laughs> and we I, are working on reinventing Steve. Yeah, we're yeah. trying. Good. We're trying. <laughs> he needs to be your next guest, Rich. <laughs> All right, week after week, we try to reinvent Steve. It doesn't seem to get us anywhere, but we're trying. Um, so let's let's talk about that because you have a really interesting background of growing up on a farm and. And you've, you know, you've, you've really loved animals your entire life. But from, from a career perspective, that actually wasn't what you chose to pursue out of the gate. So 
Yeah. You, you had this love for animals. I mean, you grew up on a farm, but at, at some point there, you must have said, you know what? I, I don't want to be on a farm for, for my life. I want to do something different. Do you remember that conversation you kind of had with yourself where you were like, yeah, I'm not, oh. go- I'm not, I'm not going on the farm. Like what, what happened to, to push you into the career that you went into? I, I grew up in the South and while I love many aspects of the South, what I didn't love was the conservatism of the South, particularly around politics. And so I always felt a little bit like a stranger in a strange land. I loved a lot of it. I loved the playing in the creek and I loved climbing trees. I loved a lot that came up with growing up on a farm. But um, when I got to 17 or 18, I felt like I wanted to leave the South. And so I moved moved north um, to go to grad school and went to Tufts. And I've always been a writer and uh, decided to pursue teaching, which I did for um, 11 years. You know, the, the, the farm, the farm, the animals, the, the water, the space, the sense of freedom, all of that stuff was in my DNA. But... Uh, didn't want to raise horses, which is what my dad had done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you, so you did then go uh, to get your your degree. You decided I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm I'm going to be a teacher. What what brought you back then to this mm-hmm. whole world? Full circle, of, yeah, of, of animals. Um, I was a high school English teacher. Um, and, and for me, I didn't consciously recognize it at the time, but as I wrote about in my first book, looking back, what I realized was that being a high school English teacher was my way of, on a certain level, not only helping kids become better writers, speakers, thinkers, teachers, but encouraging them to become better people, braver people, more open people, more honest people. And so at, after 11 years, I was approached by a group of people opening a new charter high school in Boston. And they said, would you, <laughs> you'll appreciate this, Steve. Mm. They said, would you like to lead, lead the school, be the head of the school? And I said, absolutely. Well, it was a media and technology school. Mm. That is not a good match for me. I should have been born in the dark ages. Technology is not my friend, If you, as you might remember from, <laughs> I was the worst student in the class when it came to this stuff. No, you, know, you were the, the second get- worst. <laughs> what, your 80-year-old mom was the worst? <laughs> your 70-year-old, lovely mother. Thank you. No, um, so um, I realized a few days in that, that it was just not the right match. It was not the right kind of school. So I regretfully went back and said, I've made a terrible mistake. And I said, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So then there I was. And I took a couple months off for the first time in my professional life. And what came to me after many, many long walks in the woods and talks with friends and all of that was I needed a way, I was looking for a way to combine my love for teaching and learning with this deep love for animals. And so today, Catskill Animal Sanctuary is probably the leading teaching sanctuary in the world. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to say that. Yeah, yeah. And and for sure, it's... 
it's an interesting, I mean, it's, it's just such an interesting conversation from the standpoint of when people want to do something, there's usually a million barriers that stand between them and actually bringing it to fruition. So you, you knew that the whole idea here of, of getting involved with creating an animal sanctuary and so on is something that you wanted to do. But how did you end up in the cat skills for one and for two, how did you even, how did you even start it? Like, let's, let's just go all the way back to, uh, and, and I, and I think, I mean, look, like you said, it's in your DNA, you love animals, this, that, and the other, I don't think we have to go, you know, dive too deep into that, but I'm just curious in terms of how you even started this animal rescue organization and like what, how did you even do that? So my partner, Jesse at the time was an actor and he um, wanted to be in Manhattan in New York where the opportunities are. And so we had been originally in Boston. We had met in Boston. He moved from uh, California, in fact, to Boston. We were there for quite some time, but then he said, you know what, I really want to see what it's like to be in Manhattan. So we left and we moved there and I could not stand living in Manhattan where you have to look up to see if the sun is shining. You know, and and so I said at one point, Jesse, I've got to have a house in the country. I don't care. There were no tiny houses back then, but I don't care if it's the equivalent, you know, if it's a, a closet in the woods, I just need a closet in the woods. So we bought a little closet in the woods, a tiny little house. And that sort of was the point from which I started to think about, you know, I turned down this other job opportunity. I started to think about how to combine these two things. And I thought, okay, a teaching sanctuary, I realized it wasn't being done by anyone. I knew that I could build a farm. I watched my dad create a farm from nothing, a very successful racehorse business. I watched him do it from nothing from a very different background. And he wasn't from money. He came, he grew up in a very humble situation. Um, But I just watched him with drive and energy and creativity and people skills and guts. I watched him do it. So I knew I could do the creating of it, but this was going to be a nonprofit. So I went around to the best sanctuaries up and down the coast. I interviewed all the founders, came back with some insights, held a public meeting, wrote a press release, held a public meeting, asked if anyone put up, put up our vision, our mission, what we had, what we had as assets, what we needed. And a woman stepped up and said, I've got uh, 50 acres right down the road that's just sitting there. I'd be willing to let you get started. And she was literally half a mile down the road from us. I used to pass her farm every day. Starting there with no rent, no financial obligation other than the caring for animals gave us a a year and a half to, to get our ducks in a row, to get together a board of directors, to build a website, to start to establish some communications. And then, um, One of our early members 
and I had become friendly. She's a doctor in the city. And at one, we started to look for a permanent place. And she said, you know, when you find one, let me know. I'd like to help. We found a, to call it a rundown property is an understatement. It had been used illegally um, as a site for this guy's friends to dump their old cars, old tires, old refrigerators, etc. But it was 80 acres in the Hudson Valley. And it was $300,000. And that's unheard of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I went to Lori and said, found a place. It needs work. She said, how much is it? I said, 300000 She said, that's how much I have in my checking account. I'd love to buy it. Wow. She bought it. That was 18 years ago. She donated to us. We have since bought 75 additional acres, built 30 barns, uh, fenced miles and miles of pastures and created lots of programming mm. to help people like you not eat animals, Steve. Uh, well, I, 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 I yeah, no, 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 no. There's a segue for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and, and wait, now I think my microphone might be a little too hot over there, but uh, just trying to get the audio solid here for us guys. But the, um, the, the, the question that I have for you then is, is what exactly do do you do here at the same, like what's, what is the goal? What is the mission? Yes. What, what, what are you actually looking to, what, what do you hope to accomplish with having these, these, what did you say? I think you've got 95 acres now or something. What, how big is no, it? No, we have 150 acres and add. we have okay. 300 animals. Ah, gotcha. 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 So, so what, what is the goal? What the is goal. the mission? Yeah. It's, it's couple, couple things to, help as many let, let me let me back up just a little bit we choose to believe that people are kind nobody's going to intentionally most most people very few people will intentionally harm a dog or a cat even if they're indifferent to animals so if you start from that place that most of us have kind hearts we, we help animals in, um, farmed animals in emergency situation. We take them in, we love them, we help them heal. We help them know what joy and freedom feel like in the same way that dog and cat shelters around the world do. Um, this is a new, this is reinventing animal rescue in a way. This, mm -hmm. is, this is helping people understand, the second part of it is helping good people understand that we, when we make our daily food choices, we are causing a level of pain and suffering at every single meal that you wouldn't wish upon the most evil human being your mind could create. And we're not trying to do that. We are just trying to feed ourselves and we grew, have grown up in a culture in which animals are our food. Mm -hmm. So nobody is trying to cause suffering when they eat breakfast, but we are doing that through our choices. Mm -hmm. So our challenge, the easy part is the rescue part. It is easy to 
open our doors and, and take in a beautiful life. And, and just so I'm clear, I mean, when you say causing that suffering, are you saying that somehow, because look, I mean, there's, there's, there's folks who sit on the other side of this that'll say that if we don't control the animal population, then, you know, things will, will go nuts so crazy and there's a little bit, you know, there's like checks and balances and so on that need to be in place in order for the earth to do X, Y. Like, you can just think of the, like, cows, the amount of methane gas, right, that they put out, and, and or at least that's my understanding, right? And, and the amount do. of And the amount of water that it takes to, you know, to, to, to well, keep these animals alive. Like, I, I mean, I know there's both sides of this, but when you talk about suffering, are you saying it's inhumane to, to have meat or animal as a part of, of, of the diet? When we, when you open your show, you said what you've come to learn through 700 episodes is that we're all the same. I know this for a fact. You and I are more like pigs and chickens then we are different. Here is what I mean. Every single living being, every single being that breathes wants his life, right? Every single one of us wants a joyful life, not a life in which our babies are stolen from us or we're put in a crate with 10 other human beings and spend our entire lives there the way chickens we make chickens do. Um, every single animal that I have ever met experiences every emotion I do. Pigs feel fear. Pigs worry. Goats have a sense of humor. Uh, chickens uh, problem solve and they fret and they worry and they're very sad when they lose their friends. And finally... Pain feels the same to a pig as it does to a person. And so if those things are true, one, and two, I do not need that animal product for my own health. And in fact, there's a huge body of evidence out there that says meat and dairy are one of the le- is the leading or one of the leading causes of many forms of cancer, stroke, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and on and on. And three, as you just mentioned, Steve, animal agriculture, we've known since the United Nations said this back in 2006, the leading cause of climate change is growing animals to feed people. Mm-hmm. And so... Back to your original question, um, I do believe that if it is not necessary for our health and it is causing enormous suffering and it is taking 15 to 20 times the amount of water and energy and land to feed a meat and dairy eater as it does to feed a plant eater, then how long are is each of us as individuals going to continue to say, I don't give a shit. My taste buds are more important than any of that. Mm-hmm. So is that is that part of what you 
teach? So when you say it's a teaching sanctuary, sanctuary what, what, what does that actually mean then? So we have tours. You've got to, you know, you've got to start with the understanding that good people come around the driveway, but this is a new way of thinking for people. So you can't point the finger, you can't judge, you can't preach, you can't get in people's faces. Your messaging has to be soft and kind and understanding. You know, I'm 60 and I have still, there. there's still been more years, as long as I've been vegan, I was still a meat eater for more years than I had been vegan. I ate meat every single day and I don't, I'm not one of those plant eaters that says, ugh, meat, that's disgusting. I love the smell of tuna on the grill. Always will. Mm-hmm. Love what meat tasted like. So we, our tours are customized for who comes down the driveway. We've got opportunities for people to sit down and literally have a turkey fall asleep in their laps. Or we go in the fields with the cows and people are so disarmed because nobody's ever had the experience of a 2,500 pound animal licking their face over (laughs) and over and over, right? Just Mm -hmm. to show affection in the same way that their dogs do. Mm -hmm. So one thing we do is provide that kind of tours, tour with signage that shows the impact uh, on on the land, the impact on the animals, um, the impact on our health. So one program is a tours program. We have a mentor program for people who want to move in that direction. So Steve, say you get a he- you have a health scare. You go to the doctor and he says your cholesterol is through the roof. And you would rather, instead of being on drugs for the rest of your life, you'd rather try a diet change. So we have many, many, many highly trained vegan mentors with whom we can pair you if you, and it's in this program, we just piloted it this year, it's in 31 countries around the world. So you can come from a nutritional angle. A, a young mom who's on a budget can come because she needs to save money. An athlete can come because he's concerned about protein. Anybody can come in with their particular interest and we will match you with a human appropriately and it's free. The third program is my podcast, All Beings Considered, which um, has all kinds of people like you do, except I've done a whole, all, all, a total of 10 episodes. <laughs> I'm not quite at 700. Um, and then we've got a vibrant and growing education program where we have a camp for kids. We're in the schools. So that's what we mean when we say we're a teaching sanctuary. People come down the, the, this is what we hear. People come down the driveway and they get out of their cars and we have a lot of free range animals and they get out of the cars and the sheep come up to them and they say, hello, isn't it a beautiful day? And immediately they're disarmed. And then they go around on this tour and their heart opens and their heart opens and their heart opens and their heart opens. And then while they're meeting these dogs and cats that are in the form of farmed animals, Mm -hmm. they're also hearing information about what our choices, 
the cost of our choices. And so the, my favorite story is of a man who saw me in the parking lot. We locked eyes and he burst into tears and he ran over to me and he grabbed my forearms and he said, I get it now. Tell me what to do. So, and just so I'm, and I'm sure Mary and Rich, you guys have a million questions as well, I can tell. Um, I'm just trying to figure out though, are we talking about like all living beings should not be at by the humans? Like, are you okay with, with fish? No. Or, or like, oh my goodness, Steve. Or are we talking Steve. like, like, like insects? Like if you see a spider and a spider's crawling on your bed, like, I scoop you... it up and put it outside. Or if it's winter, I, no, I, okay, I kill ticks. I kill, I kill ticks. I kill fleas. If I can, they're hard to kill if you ever see a flea. Mm -hmm. um, mosquitoes. And mosquitoes, thank mm -hmm. you. And mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And I know some people who flick off mosquitoes, but I'm sorry, it's self-defense when I smack a mosquito. <laughs> so what about fish? Like, I mean, are we, are, are Steve. we, yes. Steve. Whew. You should record more podcasts. <laughs> I'm, yeah. You're good at it. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks, Mary. Um, we are... There are predicted to be no more edible fish in the ocean by 2050. We have fished so much of the ocean that we the only way we can get adequate fish now is by using technology to find the fish. So I have to tell you a story. One, of my, one of my friends, her son will graduate from college next uh, May. He is going to work on a sea bass sanctuary about eight miles off the coast in California. Oh, my God, Mary, you have to let me know who that is because I didn't know there was a sea bass sanctuary, and I'm going to contact them for a pop to be a podcast guest, and you should too, Steve, because she can lecture you as well. <laughs> sea bass sanctuary. Yes. Sea bass is delicious. Yeah, but they it, the whole to her I point, they're overfished. Bass. Steve wants sea bass with bacon on it. They're terribly overfished, and and I have a friend whose name is Jonathan Balcom, who is a as a scientist who studies animal behavior, whose most recent book is What a Fish Knows. And he has shown us that fish play, fish have gangs, fish have friends. We just, um, it's convenient for us, isn't it, to act, as if we're, to act as if we're the only ones who matter. But fish feel pain and fear and... and uh, what about a lobster? A lobster's got to feel a lot of fear. Oh, God, horrible. Horrible, horrible. <laughs> Horrible. We're just going to have a salad. Wait. They scream. Yes, they scream. They well, you'd scream. scream too if you were dropped in a pot of hot boiling <laughs> water. I think we all would scream. Right, and why is that funny, Steve? Well, no, there's nothing funny about it, but I'm just saying, like, I, I guess what I'm trying to understand is, and, and, I, and I don't just, I just don't understand, like, how do we convince people to change everything that they know? Like, like I guess part of the problem, my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think part of 
the issue as, as you're describing it and as in terms of what you might see as a potential solution here is that we're so disconnected from, mm. from the process of how yes, the food are. actually yes, ends up are. on the plate that we don't associate that yummy, delicious, whatever that is, with an actual suffering. being and suffering that it came from. Of course we don't. And the, the industries have made sure that we don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we've, we're, we're facing, as I'm sure everybody's aware, we're facing climate breakdown right now. We're facing a world that, that you know, I, I have a younger friend whose wife just became pregnant with their second child, and I panicked. I had this moment of panicking about that because if we do not turn the ship around very quickly, at the, the science can't keep pace with the rate of global warming. If every single year when they put out a new report, the, 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 the statistics are worse than their worst projections. And we know, we've long known, that animal agriculture is the leading cause of deforestation. It's, it's why the Amazon is burning. It's why the Amazon is on fire. 20% of our oxygen comes from the Amazon. So if only for our own survival, we better wake up. And you know, it's this is the this is absolutely the most urgent and largest social change movement in the history of mankind. So how many people do you think you're affecting or does it sometimes feel like it's a kind of a drop in the bucket of you know like it is a drop in the bucket. I mean you you have a big program going. So do you have like hundreds or thousands of people on your newsletter list or how many people come we and visit? We have 200,000 people on our, or 200 more than that, probably when you combine my page and this Catskill Animal Sanctuary page, probably. Well, that's a good start. That's a really good a amount of people. Start. But we have, we have 18,000 members. We have, but, but it, anything that any of us in this world do is a drop in the bucket, but collectively mm-hmm. change is starting to happen. Look at the difference in the shopping in the, in the grocery store it used to be milk, whole milk, 1%, half and half. Yeah. Now it's oat, dairy, almond, soy, etc. You can get a beyond burger anywhere. You can get an, get an, uh, impossible burger anywhere. Mm-hmm. Is um, that a, is that a good thing in your mind? By the, by the way, are you, are you a fan of uh, of the meat substitute type products? Because doesn't my understanding is even growing the the amount of soy because aren't most of those products you know plant based and so oh well whatever whatever is in it that still needs to be grown so that still takes water it still takes land it's still right so and almonds take a lot of water. Almonds take a lot of right. So are we are we just kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul here? I mean, at least if we're looking at this from no. an environmental standpoint. I mean, forget about no. the suffering and all that, which I agree with you on. And I'm sure if we all went out and we had to pet the cow who was going to provide the the steak dinner for us, we'd be like, all right, forget the steak dinner, just keep Daisy here and let's you know do our thing. And if we all Tucker. had to, what's the name? 
Tucker. Tucker, sorry, right. And so, <laughs> if we, so if we all had to go out and, and you know and say hello to the chicken and say, yeah, I'm gonna forgive Emmett. you know, what's Emmett? Emmett. Yeah, we name our. We, it's smart. We name. We they actually have names. That's but don't they look yeah, a lot alike? Right. Isn't that like one of those psychology things, like from the FBI or CIA or whatever? You're supposed to like name your captor and like have a. Sorry, I digress. I watch too much CSI. Oh, interesting. Um, but but the point being, if we actually went out and and met these animals before we enjoyed them on our plate, we probably wouldn't want them on our plate. And so I think that's part of what you're saying. But you're also saying it from an environmental standpoint. If we can get no, to- you, you, you're asking a, a, a good and very important question about the merits of um, plant, plant substitutes versus eating uh, a Mexican dinner, Mexican food or Indian food. You're, talk- you're talking about very, very highly processed beyond burger impossible burger there is a lot of energy a lot more energy that goes into the creation of a beyond burger or an impossible burger than there is that goes into a sweet potato and quinoa and caramelized onion burger Mm -hmm. so yes that sounds really good they, oh, they are. Mary, I, if we can connect afterwards, I'll send you our brand new cookbook. Oh, my God. I love quinoa. I'm, and I will not yes. send Steve one. No, I'm just kidding. I'll just make a couple of things okay. and bring it to wait, the studio. I like that deal Steve, even wait, better. Steve, didn't I give you one? No, I yes. didn't. What am I saying? It wasn't, it wasn't, no, I didn't. It, was, it hadn't come out yet then. It uh-huh. didn't come out till June. What am I saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, plant... The lower you eat on that scale, the simple, the less processed your food is, the less energy it requires. Beyond and impossible, those meat substitutes are helping people who want the taste and the texture. And if you have not tried them, they are freakishly like hamburgers. They're delicious. Some, some. Oh, you've had them. Yeah, they're delicious. Yeah. I have. So see, they work for people who don't yet, I mean, nobody's attached to eating a hamburger because it's a cow. People are attached to eating a hamburger because of its taste and texture. For sure. Yeah. So. And not knowing. They're a transition, they're a transition food for people who. Yeah. I got you. Wade, you were going to, you were going to jump into something there. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to, uh, you know, well, two things. First, maybe Soylent Green is the solution. Um, secondarily, am I buzzing real bad for you guys? Yeah, there's, yep. a, there's yes. a volume yep. something going huh, on. Huh, okay. Yeah. Um, but also just to bring in the conversation, you're familiar with Tom, what Tom Brady's doing with his diet? No. No. Yeah. Okay, no. That, that's something that you might want to look into. It's all about anti-inflammatory because, you know, he's getting so beat up. So he's moved completely away from meat to vegetable proteins for health from an anti-inflammatory angle. So just throwing that into the conversation, you might want to look into that as you're promoting the concept. Well, that way, that's an important concept because, and, and part of our program, I can't believe I left this out. We have a vegan cooking program brand. We have, we have classes all the time. We have food, food tastings on weekends. We have a just published cookbook. Um, the, our two certified vegan chefs also have a background in nutrition and most meat and, and dairy is highly acidic. And it's the, it's the acidity that causes the inflammation. So, um, a lot of people who have struggled with arthritis, 
for example, um, have switched to a plant-based diet and so many of their symptoms disappear. And you can, you can, you know, I could, another podcast you could, you could have, I could recommend if you're, if you become interested in this topic, there are uh, vegan doctors who reversed heart disease by uh, putting people on plant-based diets and on and on. Mm-hmm. Richie, what were you going to say? Oh man, I could, kind of up I could, this alley. Oh, kind of. I mean, <laughs> first off, I was I was a vegan for six years, and oh. then and straight up just got lazy. Be honest with you. Uh, St- started working yep. in television and film, and it was yep. like it was they bringing meat on a plate, and you could get whatever you wanted. I just got lazy. Sure, get uh, it. Which is so. I kind of want to go back on how I became vegan real quick, Ooh, and, and I'd then love to hear that. and it starts with just awareness uh born in san diego raised in san diego never been on a farm and just step parents started a place here uh, ob people foods was one of the original co-ops for health food so i got into it quick and then just someone was talking about animals and I, they just said just go sometime to a slaughterhouse and i went to a slaughterhouse talk about awareness oh bless your heart i it was the sounds of the cows screaming mm-hmm. on their way. They weren't even in the room yet, and mm-hmm. it didn't even sound like a cow. There was this was no moo. This was the saddest, craziest. Oh my gosh! And I, as soon as I went in and actually saw the room and saw how it happened, I was just instantaneously done for six years, and. <sighs> I felt literally like I was part of them and just felt the pain. And then the in, back to the inhumane part was to look that up. That was, wow, back to, to the inhumane. I mean, that's no, I'm saying the whole spe- story. You're freaking me out right yeah, now. Yeah, but this was, just, this was just them walking to it. Yeah, I know. This was just them. This wasn't even the actual inside it yet. When it was inside and you see these gigantic hammers smacking them in the head and then flipping them upside down and cutting their throat to the blood's right. draining. Like, it was just mm. freaking disgusting. And But, it was, again, it starts the awareness. On so many levels, sometimes we just hide things from people because if at the basic level they were just aware of how things happened, they wouldn't want it. And it wasn't until you started talking about this again... Because I, I, my daughter eats all kinds of stuff. Luckily, she prefers pizza and pasta, but I'm trying to get her. We, we do a thing with the school. We're getting garden to table. But it, it, there's so many freaking levels to this. There's the climate change. There's the humanitarian aspect. Or, or you know, we're, senti- we're all sentient beings. Like, there's just so many things going on that it's kind of picking it one piece at a time. And, you know, what, not, not to take it to, like, a business level, but I, I would love to see you succeed in what you're doing on many levels. One, because I was probably my healthiest ever when that was going on. Yeah, I'm um, sure you were. I, I think then I transitioned. Possibly the healthiest was I had fish, but it got rid of that. And I think that was just more my body type. I couldn't – I had to work so hard to get – the combination of proteins. It just yeah. felt like I was constantly eating. Um, but I, I just want to get back to, there are so many different ways from like 
lead magnet style stuff. You could you could take this from information on climate. You could take this on stuff like Wade just said with Tom Brady and inflammation. You could take this on um, what you're doing on just compassion in general. Uh, there's just so many ways you could gather awareness on this that, you know, offline, I'll gladly help I mean, with some of those things too. You can look too. at the, so the truth about cancer. I mean, has right. uh, the food revolution. I mean, the huge followings and with Ocean Robbins, what he's doing with uh, the food revolution uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, and, and, and others there. I mean, they, they have massive followings. But, you know, of course, it begs the question too, which is people don't want, like the, the there's a lot of people making a lot of money uh, of in this in this industry of of meat and and poultry and and pork. I mean and all that stuff. So they they would you know they're they're probably lobbying to succeed to 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 to. Sure I mean they they got to be lobbying to 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 shut down the dissemination of information. Like why you don't see slaughterhouse videos? Why you, like wh why those aren't more mainstream? I don't know. But I think that is why. Well, let, let, it, the pharmaceutical industry, there are two important books. One is called Foodopoly and one is called Meatonomics. And both of them talk about the incestuous relationship between the pharmaceutical industries, the lobbyists on Capitol Hill, and these multi-billion dollar corporations who are vested in the status quo. Um, we're at a pivotal time in our history where the planet is going to burn up and there is not going to be enough water and land and food, Steve, for your two boys. <laughs> it's your fault, Steve. For your two boys. <laughs> no, I, you know, I mean, I'm not being melodramatic here. Mm -hmm. the, the most recent climate report said cataclysmic change for wide swaths of the world in 10 years. And every report gets worse. And so, excuse me, but I know you guys let the F-bombs fly. What the fuck are we doing? Mm -hmm. Well, like, I want to I comment. Seriously. Like, go ahead, Mary. Well, I was going to comment. Okay, remember... You in the very beginning of this interview, you were talking about um, we're all connected. You know, mm. probably like I don't know, it's like a weird energetic cellular level, mm. right? Mm. Mm. When I was pregnant with my first daughter, I could not eat chicken or beef, and I don't like fish. I could not just not eat it. I couldn't even look at it. For Isn't some reason, it was weird. And it took me a couple of years Wow! for that. Because I think if a woman, when a woman is pregnant, she is totally, like, her energy expands. Mm -hmm. You know, we're sensitive, we're hormonal, we're all these things. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe there was a weird part of my brain that was connecting to the actual being that would have been on my plate. I wouldn't be surprised you know what I mean? at all. I do know what you mean, and so, I have heard that before from mothers. I've heard that before from yeah. mothers. So I ate all plant-based food at that time, and some pot carbs, you know, pastas and stuff, and I did end up anemic because I didn't know how to balance my diet. About, yeah, sure. 
So l- let me just ask you this because we're going to run out of time here. It, it, you're a nonprofit, I assume. Uh, yes. It's so your 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 business model, so to speak, you survive off of donations and people coming to uh, to the facility. How, how how do you support the work that you're doing? I guess that's really my question. We've got eight major income streams. We have a beautiful 200 year old fully converted bed and breakfast right on the property. Mm. Um, We write grants. We're open for tours. We have classes. We have merchandise. Uh, All of that's accessible through our website. We um, have members around the world. We have opportunities for people to sponsor, to choose an animal of among the 300 to sponsor that animal for X number of dollars a month and then Mm. visit that animal when they want. So, so one of the reasons we've succeeded is because we knew from the get-go that we had to, you can't be casual about the fundraising. You got to establish those income streams and keep them going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super smart. And I, I, I assume for an extra, I don't know, $500, I mean, I can't brand the animal with my name or anything. Dude, you're going to get in so much trouble. No, no, but for a thousand, we could brand you. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of people lining up to do that. You'd raise a whole bunch of money for cats killed. Thousand dollars for a fastest, fastest fundraise to a million ever. So, in um, I mean, I have a general sense of where it actually is, but can you can you the actual geographic location of the sanctuary? Is, so exactly we where. Are- yeah. Actually, it's it's a little town called Saugerties, New York. It is two hours directly north of Manhattan. Okay. So you can fly into JFK, you can fly into LaGuardia, you can fly into Albany, you can fly into Newburgh, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. take the train up here, take the bus up here, or drive. Okay. So yeah, please. are you still seeing Jesse? Or did he make it as an actor? Jesse... You know, Jesse kind of always made it modestly as an actor. He was able to make a living. But as I wrote in one of the books, he decided that cow cow poop and country were not for him. Mm, He's a beautiful human being. But no, (laughs) now I have another wonderful man in my life who can scoop poop with the best of them. Awesome. There you go. So, (laughs) Mitch, you have one more thing? Yeah, I do have one more thing. So I'm curious, always, especially with Steve's book, What Is Your What?, and going from the DNA standpoint and what we're born to do, and then also we never-endingly talk about nature and nurture, and we've come to realize it's obviously a bit of both. It's not. Um, <laughs> it <laughs> well, is. it is, or you wouldn't be teaching people. They're going to make it or they're not. Um, nature always wins. <laughs> so my, my question is the how much, when you were growing up, do you think your father raising racehorses and how that industry works played into it in the future with you seeing that or do you think any because that's a huge industry for rescues and stuff too yeah um thank you for that question uh rich i think that what that experience gave me what you know if if anybody had asked the little 10 year old child if my dad's horses were well treated I would have said yes. But if they'd asked a different question, do you think those horses are happy spending 23 hours a day in a box? Do you think that they want to be killed if they're not successful racehorses? Do you, you know, then I would have had a very different lens. So it certainly gave me a, 
a deep and important understanding of a very challenging industry, um, as well as the know-how to build a, a big farm, one fence post at a time. So it was very, 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 very influential mm-hmm. from those two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's do this. We're going to have to wrap here, Kathy. Uh, so if people want more information, and thank you, by the way, if, uh, if I didn't say your full name earlier, although I think I did, but Kathy Stevens here hanging out with us uh, from the Catskill Animal Sanctuary. If people want more information, uh, where should they go? What should they do? How can they help? How can they contribute? casanctuary.org. We're on, we're on, you know, all social media. Uh, I'd love it if they check out my, my new podcast, All Beings Considered. Mm. And that's it. We're open for tours through the end of November. November. Welcome guests year round. Yeah. Terrific. And let me just have you do one more thing here, which is you did join us at the Launcher Podcast, two-day intensive. Uh, we do this a few times a year. Uh, you can get more information at launchyourpodcast.net. Uh, and we literally take you from zero to launch with your brand spanking new professionally produced podcast. We include production of eight episodes, give you equipment, uh, you know, the intro, outro, artwork, the whole nine. Uh, you want to speak to your experience? How how was the Launcher Podcast two day intensive for you, Kathy? And I'm and I'm, I, I'm going out on a limb here because we actually didn't even talk about it, so I'm hoping I it's positive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I do not. No, no, I would not have a podcast if I hadn't been to that. Um, you, what I especially love. I mean, first of all, it's fun. You guys are fun. It's casual. There was vegan food for me to eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you meet interesting people, but what worked was the pre-work, the yeah. preparation to get us ready, yeah. um, and the post-work support. Yeah. I, I mean, I I really think that that for me was invaluable. Good. And, and when I had quite you know i i stink at technology and the follow-up afterwards with people being you know everybody is so willing to help with the minutiae even yeah big or small so i i give it two thumbs up all right two hooves up two hooves up i'm not giving you steve oh two hooves up no no you're like this maybe all right fine i get one hoof depends on what you have for dinner tonight all right goodbye kathy we love you Get, get, go Thanks check lot, out Kathy. everything that she's doing Thank at Catskill so Animal much, Sanctuary. You if you're Thank interested you in joining us at a future Launch Your Podcast two-day intensive, you can get more information there at launchyourpodcast.net. From Mary Galea and Rich Ote, I'm Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. Attention coaches, authors, speakers, and business owners. Please pay close attention to what I'm about to say if you want to secure massive visibility fast and generate thousands of highly qualified leads without spending a dime on advertising or marketing. The easiest way to make this happen is to appear as a guest on the world's most popular podcast. We recently came across an awesome resource that provides detailed contact information for 240 new media influencers who are looking for guests 
just like you. It's called the Ultimate Directory, and for a limited time, you can get the preview edition of the directory absolutely free. That's right, for free. It's time for you to get the visibility you and your business deserve and connect with the world's leading icons of influence who can make you famous with the push of a button. Get your free preview edition of the Ultimate Directory right now at www.myultimatedirectory.com. That's myultimatedirectory.com.